people get excited about the I do's and the I wills when it's wedding time. It's a beautiful thing to dream about the blissful day with the one you love. But too often we are not taking the time to consider the reality of the day-to-day living or securing our future. It is absolutely necessary to consider life after the honeymoon. I am Dr. Sabrina Ellis and welcome to Wife Life Securing Your Future. Hello, my name is Dr. Sabrina Ellis, and I am the host of Wife Life Securing Your Future, which is a podcast part of the D-Free Podcast Network. And I am excited to join you today. I have a special guest, and that is my friend, Evangelist Sharon C. Whitelaw. She is a prophetic voice. She is an anointed woman of God, and she is anointed to preach the gospel, the word of God. It's it's actually in her mouth. It's in her everything. She is so devoted to this ministry. She is a teacher. She is a psalmist, conference speaker, motivator, all of that. But you know what? She's also my friend, and I'm glad to have her here today to further the discussion about securing your future. There's one thing uh, in particular that stands out as it relates to our relationship. And that is that her husband passed on the same day that my husband passed. I know we were having a conversation earlier about how we talk about birthdays that people share that they have in common. And we have in common that our husbands have the same death date. And it is ironic in that a few years prior to our husband's passing, we were at a conference and I was sharing some of my thoughts and concerns about women who end up in a place um, that is not good a place of poverty or destitution as a result of not having um, known how things were placed or whether or not things were in order um, uh, as it related to being a beneficiary uh, or whatever to what their husband had or what they might be leaving behind. It was in that same um, conference that Evangelist Whitelaw shared with me that she had some work to do, that she had not considered any of those things. And I've asked her to join me today and to share as much as she feels comfortable sharing as it relates to that situation and what actually took place after she left the conference. So I'm going to ask uh, initially, if you would, Evangelist, to to just share a little bit about what the experience was like once the light came on for you um, and what you thought you needed to do when you returned home. Thank you so much, my friend and my sister, Dr. Uh, Sabrina, for allowing me this opportunity to share. I believe it is a heart and a hard thing to deal with but it is a reality in the lives of us as women. Um, When I came to that conference, it was very um, strategic as I ministered 
um, to hear a God timing concerning what you began to talk about, what was on your heart concerning the women that were married uh, to pastors, ministry, uh, and as well as just wives as a totality. And in that moment of your discussion, I realized that that moment, I did not have security as a wife. I did not know the business of what my husband had. I did not know uh, insurance policies, anything that was strategically in place married to him. And I had been married to him several years. So that moment for me uh, gave me a, um, a mind blowing moment of opening my thought process, Sharon, you need to know rather than being ignorant. If anything happens, you are going to be lost in the process. And so that moment uh, gave me an opportunity to come back home and have that talk and discuss with my husband as to where things were at that time. A husband uh, that I was his second marriage because his first wife passed in the marriage over 30 years of being married. Uh, his first wife um, had passed. And so I was his second wife with a blended family. So I didn't know all of the details and it was not a conversation that we had prior to getting married. So with your conversation and what was on your heart uh, concerning the wife and the security of the wife, it allowed me to go home and do some homework and to talk to my husband about that. So I thank you for that moment, wow. the God moment. Right. But on the other side of it, it was yeah. a blessed moment for security for my life. Well, I, I'm, I appreciate you sharing this because this is a, this is a live, true, real example of what we were discussing. I, I want to ask this question because I think in some cases, as, as we talk about having these hard conversations, I think that there are those who may feel like it might be a conversation that's too hard to have, or they're not sure about the approach that they should take or how their spouse might receive it. Would you share with us how your husband received you, you as you initiated this conversation? To be honest, my first approach in asking, baby, what is set up? You know, if something happens to you or if something happens to me, what do we have set up? I put myself in the equation in the equation and asking mm -hmm. the question more than it just being if he passes. It's come sometimes right. men hears that from a different ear. Are you sitting up waiting on me to die? Exactly. That was not the approach that I wanted to take, but I wanted to ask because I knew what I had prepared for myself before I married him. So I knew what was in place. I knew what I changed on my beneficiaries as far as my insurances when I married him, but I didn't have any information on what was set, whether that he had a wheel or not. And so that first question to him was not an answer day. The pausing, and all, I got up off of it and left it right there because there was not an instant conversation to say, hey, you know, if something happens to you, what's in place? What do I do? Well, this is what I have in place. This da, 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 da. And here's the document that if anything happens to me, this is where you find my information. That was it. And it took a minute for him to come back and, and to discuss that. And it didn't happen in one week. It didn't happen in two weeks. It happened some time, 
but he finally went and did what was necessary for him to make sure that those hard questions were in place. So that's how it happened to me. It's not always easy for the male, for the man to really deal with the woman, the wife coming asking those questions because I find out men don't want to deal with death. You know, if they don't want to go to the doctor, they don't want to talk about death. Right. So right that was right. a challenge right there. Right. And I was not a pounder. I was not a pounder. What do I do? No, I, I, I asked, I set it out on the plate and I left it for him to ponder. My man, my wow. husband was a man of integrity, a man um, that had business in order as far as his business. He was a businessman. And so that put a lot on his thought process for me to ask that question. So no, it was uncomfortable for him because he didn't respond instantly. It took some time for him to, to give me answers. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that because first of all, it took a wise woman and it took a patient woman <laughs> to say, okay, this is not the answer day. I love that. I really like that. Um, and, and, but, but he did what was necessary. And I remember, um, I remember waiting uh, some time to check in on you to see if anything was moving. And by the time I checked in, there was activity, there was movement. And, um, and the fact that you were able to walk through that and get certain things in place um, and, and to know that there were things that you were not even aware of. Absolutely that you didn't know any of the business. You didn't know exactly what he had. No. You're, you're just living life. You know, you, you, you had a safe place to live and you were comfortable. Absolutely. And I think for so many women and, and I'll just, I'll stick with our, our context, our very similar context for now, but we do know that this impacts women everywhere it does but it it is the it is a sad situation that occurs time and time again in our context of the church and that is that women become complacent they're okay they're comfortable i got a house i got clothes i can go to the convention what more do i need Well, you have all of those things. Let's be honest. If your husband is a pastor, yes, you have those things because he is a pastor or he is an evangelist or, you know, he's traveling and he has this additional income. But you and I both know that once they're gone, that income no longer exists. Right. My husband was senior pastor of a church, nice size church, had a salary, but my husband traveled this country preaching in so many different places, other churches, conferences, conventions, occasionally outside of the conference. When he was no longer here, there was no longer that income. Absolutely. So my thing is to get women to think beyond today. And I'm just glad that you did not allow the conversation to just be a passing conversation. Right. You knew 
No, I have to go home and do something about that. And that is my cause. That is my purpose. The awareness. Yes. The awareness. And so you said a few minutes ago that ultimately you were able to secure yourself, secure your future. You had no way of knowing how how much longer after that did your husband pass? Do you remember? Oh, years, probably probably four, maybe four years after Mm -hmm. that, after Mm -hmm. we set things in place about four years, um, he secured my future as far as his responsibility. And I'm thankful that he did. Um, I'm thankful that he did it legally, meaning put it in documents, put it with his lawyer. That right there has been a journey by itself. Uh, even with it being a legal document, there were some challenges with those from uh, outside entities. Mm-hmm. So you still must make sure that that security, that that uh, especially with blended families, we have to deal with those realities. We're dealing in a time, whether they administer or not, blended families are a challenge at times. And one of the things I found out in this journey, if those conversations are not taking place in the beginning, then there's a challenge in the end and there's a challenge in the midst of it. And so I believe it has taught me a great value um, uh, in my life, uh, married married into a blended family that 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 man has to speak to his children, whether they are uh, children or adults, what his heart is, what his plans are, and Mm -hmm. that they know from his mouth what he's doing so that in the end, and many times people don't expect death to come, but in the end, they would have heard it as they say from the horse's mouth, rather than thinking it came from someone else's plan to accommodate that. And so in that journey as a blended family to understand that, and even if they've never been married, it's always good to discuss and make sure those things are set in motion before you come, especially in the church. The church often brings us to a place, you know, when you're serving in the church, you know, only what you do for Christ is going to last. Give your all to Christ and he's going to pay you. No, you better do the business because I'm on the other side of my husband passing. I was not with him the whole 42 years that he preached. I was not with him the whole 38 years uh, that he pastored only nine years of marriage, but legally I was married to him and do whatever he wanted me to have. And then the laws of the land have changed in many places that how long you've been married to an individual, individual uh, a spouse gives you legal rights in a certain percentage automatically being married. So just even if they don't have a will, you need to know what your rights are married to Absolutely. that spouse. In Absolutely. that state, because every state, even after he passed and my own insurance policy with my name on it that I made him beneficiary in Tennessee, the spouse has to sign as the beneficiary. If that spouse does, if you don't want that person, that spouse to be the beneficiary, that spouse has to sign off of it, not being the beneficiary of your insurance. But because wow. my husband was deceased, I had to send in his death certificate in order to change the beneficiary on my own personal on your own policy. My own personal policy. Yes. 
I had to send in his death certificate because Tennessee requires if you're married that your spouse is the beneficiary. In Tennessee, it's 50% of your house and all of that that the spouse gets. So even without a will, you may have to fight for it, but you got to know your rights in Tennessee or the state that you're in to know what is due you. But my husband uh, set in place, he set a will, all of that in place that uh, took precedent in everything that he wanted to take place. And so with a lawyer, he even assigned his lawyer who he wanted to oversee the distribution of what he wanted in his will. So even in that and going and even to probate, anybody can challenge the will in probate. Absolutely. And so it was challenged in my situation, mm-hmm. which prolonged so much time, but mm-hmm. truth will always stand in the end. So Absolutely. it is so important. This you have covered so much in these few minutes because um and, and it is it's important to know what it is that your state yes. does or your state requires. And and it does vary from state to state. Yes. And the interesting thing in my case, um we did not have to have a reading of the will because my husband had my name on everything. Of each of us did that. When I say everything, I mean down to every bank account, even if it was his his fund money, my fund money, then there was the house money. But we did everything and we made sure on the property that each of us had the right to survivorship. So when the probate attorney saw just that term and what name was there, she said, oh, there's no need for a reading of the will. You don't even have to do that. I said, are you sure? I'm like, I'm asking the probate attorney, right. is she sure? But she said, no, because your your name is there. There no, There's no debating this. There's no argument. Anybody that tried to take you to court on this is wasting time and money. And right. so the situations are different. Yes. You know, um, I, I was a second wife, blended family as well. But it's just how things were handled. And then also according to the state that we were living in. Um, what I am glad to say is that on today, August the 4th, I believe it is that we're taping this, that we're both standing. We're standing. We're doing well. Absolutely. We are still standing and we are doing yes. well. And one of the things I wanted to, to even respond to you in your will, having your name throughout everything, because I we had a blended family. He had specific things named in the will from everything that he wanted distributed and what else he did not main, maintain in the home. Uh, but with that, it still, with those to receive, still had questions as to the heart and the mind of my husband as to why would he do it. And I think that's one of the challenges. People don't understand why people make decisions right. in their wills. They can't hardly accept that, that that's what they wanted. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge when it comes to, to us in life is we can't believe somebody did that. Why didn't they do that? So that's where the challenge came in, the belief that he would actually take that stand and make those decisions when he did it with his lawyer and his lawyer documented it and his lawyer had them. So that was the positive side of what he put in order. 
right, which right. allowed me, even through the challenges, it still allowed me to uh, come out with what he wanted and desired for me to have. So, so there was no, no one could, even if they attempted to accuse you of uh, twisting his hand or Absolutely. changing his mind, or there, there was, there was this legal representation Yes. That said, no, that's not what happened. It's attorney. Absolutely. So the, the, our purpose here is to share with those of you who are listening uh, um, how critical it really is for you to make sure that your future is secure. You might have to have that hard conversation. And I suggest that you be as wise as my friend yes. has been um, presented put yourself in the equation because the truth of it is one of us is going to die. One of the, one of the parties mm -hmm. is going, going to die. We know that um, statistically men are going faster and leaving here sooner than women, but that's not always the case. Well, it is not always the case. So there are some men who probably need to secure their futures as well. But my goal is to address women, to address wives, and do it while everybody is up on their feet and in their right minds. Um, they are coherent, and they can do what's necessary to ensure that everything is set in place so that you are secure in your future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Evangelist Whitelaw, for doing Thank this, you. for being with me. And Thank I'm you. hoping and praying that, especially within our context, that this particular interview will make a difference in the lives of some first lady, some wife of an evangelist, wife of a preacher, pastor, bishop. We need you all to be able to keep looking good. Absolutely. Should your husband leave here, you don't have to look like you are in poverty. You don't have to live in poverty. Even though we know that that has been the case for so many, we're trying to get to you so that you don't have to be one of those. You don't have to be named among them. Thank you for listening today. Again, I am Dr. Sabrina Ellis, and I am the host of Wife Life, Securing Your Future, which is a podcast that is part of the D-Free Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you the next time.